Welcome back to the show, everybody. Our guest this evening is an actor, a recording artist. Uh, he's an astronaut. He has his own fragrance. Uh, he can draw direct lineage to Genghis Khan, as well as being the host of The Habitarian Show, which you can find on such platforms as iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and many others. Shane, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you doing, Alan? Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm glad that you're here. Yeah, I, I know, right? No, better let it play out because that's, that's all you that's all you're gonna get. All right, uh, Shane, I had such a great time when you invited me. You're on your show, and we talked a little bit about the late great Norm Macdonald when I was there. I I just wanted to start off right there, really quick, by saying, you realize it, that was a year and a half ago that he passed away. I know it's crazy. Um. But the thing, too, is that even though he's physically gone, I mean, we, we have YouTube and all the videos that, that, that is out there of his stuff on Weekend Update, his uh, Norm MacDonald show on, uh, on, that was on YouTube, and his, his comedy specials. I mean, his memory and all his material lives on. So, you know, he, he's just a, he's a legend, to put it lightly. Well, speaking of legends, uh, for people that aren't aware, at least for a few months now, maybe maybe longer, you can correct me, uh, the Hapitarians has been back in full swing. Uh, both co-hosts are back on set. Uh, how has producing the show been since you guys took on a uh, freeloading roommate? <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so, like, yeah, we're is weird because we actually had a little bit of a break. We kind of take breaks just out of nowhere. Just, Oh yeah. We're, we got like, I got sick and then she got sick and then her son got sick. So obviously that's going to be the priority is, is getting our health back before we start doing the podcast again. Um, but yeah, the crazy thing though is that the, our YouTube channel has been around since I think it was 2017, 2018. So it's been, it's been a long time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, it's kind of, it's crazy to think uh, back when we were just doing live streams and how, like you were saying that no editing, it was just whatever happens, happens. And, and it's, it's, and I'm just thinking like the people that we were able to talk to on, uh, on the show during that time, it's kind of crazy because we were just some random people say, Hey, do you want to come on for 34 minutes? Yeah, sure. Whatever. Like we had, uh, just to kind of, you know, to, to brag a little, you know? Um, so like we had Tim Poole on one time, we had Lauren Chen and, uh, we had Owen Benjamin on and we even had some people who don't, who don't really talk politics anymore. Like we had uh, a guy named Bunty King. That was kind of like his nickname. Uh, and Pete Quinones was on there back in the day too. So, I mean, we had a lot of cool people during that time and I don't know, it, it's kind of crazy to think that we've been doing it for so long and maybe not like super long, but the fact that some people, when, when they start a podcast, they do it and then they'll stop. I mean, there's a lot of people that do that. Um, so, you know, I, I'm proud of the stuff that we've done, even if it's nothing super, like, it's not like super hard work or anything. You just go, Oh yeah, here we go. Then hit record. All right, let's start talking. Okay. Whatever. You know? So, 
Well, I mean, you know, I I think it's okay for you to give yourself a pat on the back because I, you know, I've told people that like we made the change. We used to do the whole the gold standard thing, and it was more straight right. talk. You know, we're <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about the economy and let's talk about the presidential election. And you know, we had I mean, we had some amazing guests. And so I'm not talking down to the kinds of guests that were on that show. But we it, we kept it pretty straight laced. Like we were having fun in so much as I just enjoyed doing it. But we right. weren't cracking jokes and and you know dropping hard R's with you know Ron Paul and Lou Rockwell on the show, even though they would have loved it. Um, and but then when we made the change to "It's Too Late," it was okay. Those little hints of fun in hard quotations that we were having. Let's lean all the way into that, and let's lean away from kind of the constantly repeating the same old tropes of, oh, the police murdered someone else this week. Let's talk about police brutality again. It's like, oh my God, how many episodes can you do about price gouging when there's a hurricane before you're like, I've, I've done that. It's been discussed. And frankly, you can go talk to way more intelligent people about it than me. I'd rather talk about things that are interesting and fun and, and entertaining and, and sort of kind of, so like more of a lead by example thing rather than let me tell you what the libertarian position is on this topic. Yeah, because you're limiting your audience on that. So when you say, oh, here's a libertarian response, people go, all right, I'm going to check out now because A, they already know what it's going to be. Like they already know what you're going to say or B, they're not libertarian, so they don't want to listen to that. So, it's, you know, that, that's that's just how people work. If, if it doesn't align with their views 100%, they're most likely not going to listen unless they like you for your personality or whatever they know. They'll hear you, hear you out or whatever. Um, but yeah, to go to what you were saying about talking about fun stuff or just kind of random interesting things, like every once in a while, at least nowadays, like before we would do, we had we would have like a, a weird news segment where we would just kind of pick a weird news topic that was happening that week or so and just kind of talk about it and make fun of it. Uh, so that that was kind of something we wanted to kind of spicy spice things up a little bit. And then also... Also, like more rare, but we did a whole episode where we just talked about uh, some Reddit stories. I think particularly like the "Am I the asshole?" Uh-huh. Reddit stories, where yeah. someone would go, "Am I the asshole?" If when because I was doing this and I felt like this, or the other person felt like this. So, am I the asshole? And so we kind of talk about that too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the whole point of our show really is just we we do try and give our opinion, but we also try to have fun with it and even make fun of it too. Sometimes if we feel like whatever someone's talking about or what the topic is, is just so ridiculous that we're just like, I can't believe this is even a topic that we're talking about, you know? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's like, it's like crossing the Rubicon, right? When you, when you let certain things out, they're out and you can't, you can't get it back. Um, so like related to taking a firm stance on any issue at all, really, much less a controversial one. It's like you can you can tweet one night right before you go to bed that you really like red jello more than green. And then by the time you wake up in the morning, the green jello association is denounced you and you're being canceled. You know, that and you I mean I mean I'm making a silly analogy, but you see that. You see that happen to people. It's like, oh, you you struck a nerve and now all the people who somehow wound up in your orbit but they fiercely disagree with this this stance that you've taken and god forbid you were just trying to tell a joke too right you're just trying to joke about something but now it's become a controversial stance um has has there been have you guys had that have have there been any like trigger uh topics or or stances that you guys 
said, and then that ended up being like, oh shit, we should have never, never even brought that up. Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, the only thing I can really think is, is that, uh, one of our YouTube videos got taken down or was, we had like a strike. Uh, I think it was because we were talking about, you know, the, that, that one thing that, that was going on in 2020 that people were getting and then you yeah. had to get the thing, you know, mm-hmm. that, that whole, yeah. Yeah. So we were talking, talking about yeah. that. AIDS. Yeah. AIDS. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. The AIDS. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, which if I remember correctly, I think the history about that is that it was, uh, it was made in a, in some kind of like, room like a lab or something like that i'm mm-hmm. not really 100 percent sure uh that's, that's just what i've heard uh yeah. really because yeah, i've heard was, it was i've heard it was gay people is that what you've heard gay people yeah also monkeys but yes i mean you know it's it, it's like that uh that one movie where the, all the monkeys were coming in and and what, what's that movie called with uh, i think it was morgan freeman uh you know what i'm yeah, talking well, about it yeah, when all the monkeys come in, that's how you get the AIDS. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm just making sure that this is not something that you're going to want to share with any of your audience. Oh, this is going to be something that I'm going to share with my audience <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, here's here's a question that I wanted to ask you because I I know you know I know you guys kind of similar kind of a vibe that you're you're trying to just do a show you're just trying to have fun and discuss things and it's not necessarily you know you're not running for office right you know you're not trying to take any huge stands you're just just people discussing topics and trying to have fun with it in a uh, less polished way because your show is really polished. <laughs> as far- Compared to ours, it's just like, boom, booty, boom, all right, we'll see you later. But for you, it's like, all right, we got this, we got a nice bumper, and we got some music coming in, all right, da 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 you know? It's really cool. Yeah, well, you have to do all that to make up for, you know, other things. But what <laughs> what, what I wanted to ask you is, is that uh, when it comes to, like, your your private lives, like your 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 private personal selves, and kind of, like, where do you guys draw the line on what you are willing to say and do and get in front of the camera and, and talk about, uh, particularly as it pertains to yourselves or your family or your friends or whatever, um, versus, you know, the other side of that line of, no, we would, we would never reveal that. We would never discuss that. I know that, you know, just to give as, as an example, you know, I know that there's a lot of people in and around our sort of social media circle that go by pseudonyms or, you know, initials or, you know, they publish things privately. And look, who who am I to tell people what they should and shouldn't do? But as you can sort of kind of tell from my name being on everything, I, I kind of bit that bullet on day one that I was like, no, nah, fuck it. It's Alan Mosley. Hi, that's me. I can't work anywhere now. That's me. I'm Alan. So so where do you guys fall on that spectrum? You know, what's funny is that uh, like my name's out there. So and my name is not some, you know, it's not like Dave Smith was like, wait, is that actually the Dave Smith? I don't know. There's like tons and tons of Dave Smiths out there. But if you want to look up my name, it's probably, oh yeah, that's probably him. Yeah. Most likely that's probably going to be the guy. Uh, so when we first started, like I was saying, when we first started live streaming, oh yeah, my name is Shane and also my last name too. And then they came to a point where, oh, let me let me now take my name off of my social media and then just make up a name, the Hopitarian, uh, which I don't remember a hundred percent if 
we came up with that ourselves or when we were going to be a guest on uh, Joshua Smith's show, Break the Cycle. I don't know if he called us the Hopitarians and we were like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. We'll take that. I don't know how, how what the timeline is. So, Josh, I apologize if that was you that made that up or if we made that up. I'm not really 100% sure on that. Uh, or if it was uh, Rest in Peace Slurp Gang. If they were the ones that were, oh, yeah, so, uh, yeah the Hopitarians going to be. Yeah, we're going to be. Blah, blah, blah. I don't really, I don't remember the timeline on that. So in terms of that, my memory is fuzzy on that. So I like went reverse, which is either really smart or really stupid. And I'm, it's probably leaning on the latter because most people usually they go with a pseudonym first and then after a while, like, oh yeah, now my name, now I'll have my name out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, to answer your question, uh, and, and like in terms of what we say on our show or other people's shows, like we definitely try and kind of keep like our, our son's identity kind of hidden. We don't really want that out there just because, and, and I'm sure other parents ha- probably have a different idea on it or, or a different stance on this, but just what we decided was that we don't really want to put him out there because I mean, He's just, he's, he's just a toddler, so he doesn't really know, oh, yeah, all these different people are looking at me, and they know what I look like, they know my name, all this other stuff. So, you know, if when, once he gets older, when he's 18, mm-hmm. and and he does want to be a public figure of, of some kind, then that's that's up to him, and if that's what, you, you know, if that's what he wants to do, that's fine. As long as he's not a drag queen, I'm totally fine with that. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, and, and and to add insult to injury, he has to score higher on his SATs to even be considered, right? I, I know. Like, what the hell? Like, that was it. The, the Asians now have the score. I don't even know what the highest score is off the top of my head, but they had the score like what a thousand or eleven hundred or something like that. Is this come on, really? Just because their eyes are a little slanted? Come on. Yeah. Well, okay. So since we since we brought up that that whole uh, ball of wax, so for people that, who have no idea what we're talking about. Explain to them really quickly. So, what is what is Hapa? So, when you put together Hapatarians, what what is that? So, uh, Hapa is just a term for uh, half Asian, and I'm pretty sure it's just a uh, like a Hawaiian term. So, it's anyone that's like half Asian, half white, uh, for the most part. But it can also mean half Asian, half black. Basically, anything half Asian, half whatever. Uh, but since both of us, uh, Nico and I, are both uh, half Asian, half white. That's the one that we're very, very uh, fond of because that's what we are, and we're mm-hmm. Hapa supremacists, as you may know. Now, I, I got, I got to say, I, I have a little bit of a disagreement here because I don't think you can be half Asian. I don't think that's possible because Asian is like fifty different things. So unless you, unless you're like one one thousand sixty fourth, a whole bunch of different things, I think you're actually half something and half white. Is that kind of like the Mitch Hedberg joke where it's like, you know, I really love rice, but uh, it's, like, it's if, if you're like 2000 or something, is that kind of the same yeah. thing there maybe? Yeah, why not? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I understand your point that, you know, like you were saying, I have a direct lineage to Genghis Khan. So, I mean, how do I, you know, how do I know? Like Korean, a Korean could have similarity to Japanese people, even though historically Koreans and Japanese people don't always get along if you look in the history it's like oof it's kind of okay but if if somebody is half white and half black then they are seen and referred to as black 
if you are half white and half Asian, what are you? What bubble did you fill in on your test? Two or more races. Oh, that's an option now? Yeah. See, oh, see that's cheating. I feel like you have to pick one. See, I, okay. I was fully expecting you for, to tell me that, you, that when you have to pick one, you put Asian, to which I was going to say, see, this is, this is white erasure. I was going to say that, but then I knew you were going to say that, so that's why I said two or more races. <laughs> All right. That is true. Uh, so one thing I did want to bring up is uh, one of you guys' recent episodes, or it might be the most recent episode, but I, I'm, I'm scared to say that because this is a pre-recorded segment, so God forbid, if y'all put out an episode in the next 48 hours, you've, you've ruined my week. It's over. But it's ruined. In your last episode, this was this was the thumbnail for it. You talked about how naive were we. You went back and revisited some of your initial thoughts all the way back for the unknown virus of unspecified origins back in the year 2020 and what your impressions were there at the time versus kind of where we're at today. So without spoiling the whole episode, because I want people to go watch it, how did, how did things stack up? For the most part, we were actually, I was surprised at how, not, not I wouldn't say like right, but how like we were kind of more or less on the nose on, on some of the things. And yeah, it was because the thing that we talked about a lot, because it was something that was being mentioned around that time was the origins of, of where it came from. And one of the big things that was out was the fact that it came from a wet market. And that's what some that's something that we were talking about. We were mentioning that a lot on sure. the both. Yeah, you know, it makes sense. You know, it, it does make sense when you think about it. It's like, oh yeah, it does make you know when when you think about wet markets and how sanitary it is, or how unsanitary it is, and how like all the like all the blood and all the dirtiness that can be on the floors, and how viruses and and all this germs, bacteria can grow from that. And it would be possible that yeah, something from that can come about and. And then goes global, and then yeah. So, at least in my mind, that that made the most sense. Like, and I don't even think we really mentioned anything about a lab, whatever. And if we did, it was kind of just, yeah, you know, maybe I don't know, it's possible. I don't know, but at least to me, like, I'm willing to admit that I, the wet market origin story that made the most sense to me because I don't know that that just because like I, I guess I would, like again, how naive were we? I was naive to think. Coming from a lab, that's what that. So it, they just accidentally or purposefully took it out of. I don't know. Just it was just completely, not completely, but it, it was it was kind of a ludicrous idea to think that. But again, I was being naive, and I think and a lot of people were naive about how it was going to affect not just American culture, but just culture worldwide. And the whole reason why we even did that episode was because. I saw a tweet from uh, Pete Quinones, who I had mentioned before uh, here, where he had tweeted something along the lines of, you know, this is the this is like the last weekend uh, three years ago or so where this is like the before times where now at once once like the, the lockdowns were going on and all the the at the double M's were, were kind of going down, and everything like that, that just completely changed everything. You were like, are you on that side of? And, and this isn't like what I'm saying, but it's like the side of, are you on the mm -hmm. side of science? Are you on the side of conspiracy theories? You know, that whole thing. And, and then typo would record as, yeah, I was naive to think that. I didn't think it was going to be this 
huge thing. And then when I saw that too, I was like, hmm, that's a, that's a pretty good idea. Let's go back and watch the very, and I, I, I would be, at least in our, like in our social circles or whatever online, I'm pretty sure Nuke and I were one of the first ones to even talk about it. And the reason why we talked about it was because another, uh, another podcast, ADV China, which is done by, uh, uh, uh Serpents at a and Lao 86. Those are their YouTube names. They had talked about it because they're, they, they lived in China for like more than a decade and so they kind of know the ins and outs of China f- for the most part, and they were kind they were kind of like, yeah, this this is a huge thing right now. Even though the government's trying to be like, hey, there's nothing to see, you know, don't don't, it's, it's not it's not as bad as you think. And then it started getting worse and worse. And so, well, yeah, let's let's talk about because nobody else was talking, at least not that I've seen or not, none of the podcasts that I was listening to were even talking. I don't even think they started talking about it till like maybe March or April. So. Well, you know, I, I specifically remember talking about like the before times. So that was yeah. the year that that happened. That was our episode 100. So we have our annual live event that we do this, this year will be the fifth, fifth annual. And so that was at, at that time we did them basically every 50 episodes. And so, and that fell around the second or third week of March. So when it was time for episode 100, that was like the second or third week of March of that year. And I remember, you know, we did have some people who were scheduled to attend that ended up canceling their travel plans, which I, I don't blame them. Like, look, nobody knew for certain anything in the beginning. And if you're thinking like, well, am I going to be able to get home? Am I going to be able to get to work? Whatever. Then look, I totally understand. Go, go into some dude's live podcast probably isn't high on your list of things to do. But we, we went on with, with the show as scheduled and we had a great time and a bunch of people showed up. I think because the, our kind of audience are the kind of people that are like, well, God damn it! I paid for tickets. I'm going. To, I'm going to this mm-hmm. damn thing. Yeah, and and it was great. But I do know that there were people who went that, like they were getting flights to go home, and when they got home, then lockdown started and they couldn't go anywhere. It's like imagine if that had been a week later, it would have been a nightmare for people. Um, I will. I will admit that uh, I feel very confident in how I handled it, how I discussed it, whatever. The, the one big area that I was just objectively wrong, or at least had my opinion colored, was about, you know, whatever, a month or two in, I had said, we did an episode, we had a segment, we, ta- we talked about it. And at the end of that segment, I said, we're never going to talk about the coof ever again, because it's been done. It's, we've talked about it. There's nothing else to discuss. This is all going to be over in a few weeks. Like this just, it can't just keep going, right? Like that's ridiculous. We're not going to just keep doing this. Um, And so I thought like, you know, by the time we were well into the summer, I was like, all right, any second now, all this BS is going to be over. And we're going to look back and and think, wow, what a weird spring we had that one time. And then it got to be fall and then it got to be Christmas and then it was 2021 and then it was summer 21, then it was the end of 21, and I was like, oh my god. Like, I I had put a moratorium, we're never discussing COVID ever again, and then a year and a half later, I was like, oh my god, that's what everyone's doing. It's just wall-to-wall coverage on this thing that I said I'm done talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and you know, it became a huge topic for uh, presidential elections, like, how are you going to handle this? You know, what's your, what was your, what's your response to this? And, you know, of course, I think that's one of the reasons that 
Donald Trump lost was that some people who were huge Trump fans, once they saw, especially with Anthony Fauci being on the team, it's like, really? He didn't, he's like, sure. it, like that, that whole thing kind of made you go, I mean, if it wasn't before, I mean, some of us already knew like, oh yeah, he's, he's hiring some of these bad people. Like, why are you hiring so-and-so? It doesn't make any sense. But then with this, with like Operation Warp Speed and how he was mm-hmm. bragging about, oh yeah, you know, I got this and we got these vaccines out. Boom, bam, boom. It's all fast and the fastest, whatever. And it's just, because usually when stuff like that is going through all these tests and trials, it doesn't take like six months. So however long, it, how fast it was when it came out, it doesn't, you know, so I don't know. And, and now he's like, now like as of right now, he's trying to, like it, it's, I think it's pretty much a, a given now. He's probably gonna run for president again. Sure. And yeah. I, I mean, I, like at least from who I follow, I see people who are just they're on the Trump train again. They just want him to be president for whatever reason. They want him to be that. The, they want him to be twenty first centuries go over Cleveland, and I mean, I guess, but I, I mean, mean it, it's. It's it's tough because at the end of the day, I think the big thing. First of all, I me my attitude is that all these people should be lined up against a wall and shot. Therefore, I'm obviously not exactly on the Trump chain. But it's right. not it's not even just that. It's the fact that he was he was Lieutenant Lockdown. I mean, he was he was he was the guy criticizing state governors who either didn't lock down or ended their lockdowns prematurely he was the guy he was criticizing kemp in georgia he was criticizing ron desantis he was going after these people and at a bare minimum you fast forward to today and you're like okay if you're going to run for president what have you learned and i don't believe he's learned anything he's he's not walking it back i think he's in in my opinion he's doubled down i will look at all the good we did and sure, he'll want to blame Fauci or, or blame Deborah Burks and say, well, I just didn't have good people around me. But again, remember, one of his big selling points the first go-round was, I'm going to drain the swamp and I'm going to surround myself with outsiders. And what's he do? He immediately gets eaten alive by the swamp and his entire cabinet is all a bunch of Washington elite. So there's, he hasn't learned anything. He hasn't walked it back at all. I, I mean, to me, that's just that's that's complete dismissal as a candidate. It actually boggles my mind that he would run on essentially no different platform, having not done a single mea culpa for what he is personally responsible for. Yeah, he's the president. He's the one that that probably had the final say. Yeah, go ahead, yeah, bring Anthony Fauci and fine, whatever. He's a, who? What is he? He's a doctor of some kind. All right, fine, whatever. He has a. He looks smart. He has glasses on. So I guess, yeah, we'll bring him in. Sure, whatever. And, yeah, I, I, you know, and the, like we were talking about making him uh, going after Ron DeSantis even back then. Like, I mean, that's like one of his things now is, oh, yeah, Ron DeSanctimonious. <laughs> and, I mean, like, Ron DeSantis is the perfect. I think even the people who do like him understand, especially if they're like, libertarian or conservative or right-wing in general they understand that yeah there are some things that i don't like about him whether it's foreign policy or any any other other things that he's done or said that they don't like it's the fact that he's really been one of the few governors that was really i mean maybe at the beginning he was kind of okay i will see how this goes and then he realized oh shit this isn't all right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we're going to go on the opposite 
direction. And for the most part, Florida kind of just went with the flow, just like all the other uh, some of the states that were completely locked down. It wasn't like the numbers were drastically different or anything like that. It was just, oh, it was business as usual for Florida during, during that time. And that's the reason why some people, even though they do consider themselves libertarian or conservative, go, yeah, I, if Ron DeSantis does decide to run for president, I would probably vote for him specifically for that issue. And, you know, that could, that's their one issue. Again, whether they agree with all of what he believes in or not, that's the thing that they go, well, if he's willing to do this, if he's willing to fight back on this, then it's a possibility that he could fight back on other things. And, and again, he hasn't even declared he's going to run for president. And I mean, personally, I would kind of just rather him stay in Florida because if he does leave Florida, then what's, cause it wasn't like when he ran for, when he ran for governor that first time, I mean, it was like, it was a real close yes. win for him, mm-hmm. like really close. And then of course this, this last time he ran and he won, it was like about like 20% or something like that, which is huge. Now it's like 20% for a Republican. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, my, my general thing on DeSantis is, is that, so first of all, for the Lawberts out there that are listening, that are like, oh, they're all the same. Look, man, I totally get it. We don't want these people to be ruling the American empire. The fact of the matter is, is A, someone will be. Uh, and B, I, as, as it pertains to DeSantis, I think that he has been a very good governor that would make a very bad president. So I, I agree 100%. I would love for him to stay the governor of Florida. I'm, I'm a big national divorce guy. I'm, I mean, look at me, right? I'm from the South, so I'm all about secession. Uh, but, and I think that in a world where that's remotely possible, you need to have strong states that are as ideologically aligned as possible with strong leaders at the state level who are content to stay at the state level. So that's what I would love to see. Um, and, and my message to kind of the right wingers out there that say, well, we, we just, I'm sorry, we just can't have that. Cause we just, we got to put up the best candidate who's going to get the most votes and we got to run them at the federal level. Cause gosh, darn it. We just, we, we got to take the ring of power back. That's just how it is. My answer to them is, is that the reason why you guys lose to the left more often than not is that they play the long game and you guys don't. You have to be willing to, to uh, incur some short-term losses for long-term gains. They're all about that. If they lose an election cycle, you know, whatever, dust it off, and then they're going to go take a state for 80 years. Um, I, I, I you know, use California as an example. California is such a deep blue state. People, particularly people our age, we could never fathom California being a red state. It, I mean, that would just completely boggle the mind. Um, and Florida has been a purple state for the past several elections. Imagine Florida becoming as deep red as California is blue. I think that in the grand scheme of things, with me having no control one way or the other, just wanting to split things up as much as humanly possible to basically make it a, a quagmire in which no major party holds any particular sway for any amount of time, that's the best thing I can hope for, is... Some states turn deep red and never change, and some states that are deep blue never change. And eventually, the day comes where one or more of them say, that's it, we're done, I'm out, peace. To me, that's the best possible outcome, but those types of outcomes happen with strong leaders at the state level staying where they are. Well, I mean, a lot of the people that are team blue, I mean— they all hold the power in the media, 
the school system for the most part and the arts. I mean, they're everywhere. They're, they have control over pretty much anything you could think of, technology. They, they have the ownership of that. What does the right wing have? Like, what do they have that they can go, yeah, we, we have control over this. I mean, I guess you could say religion, but even that's getting infiltrated by, by the left, which doesn't even – because you would think, oh, yeah, the left doesn't even like religion. Why would they even care? But they realize that that's one of the few things that the right wing still kind of has for the, for the most part, and they're, they're kind of getting in there. I mean the, the, the pope now. Now uh, I can't Pope. I can't remember who it is now. Pope, Pope Francis, something or another. Yeah. Like even some of the things he says, you're just like, that. Wait, the Pope said what? Like that, that doesn't make like any sense. Some fucking commie gobbledygook. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Norm. Thank you for pointing what I was going to say. Thank you. Uh. So yeah, uh, you know, if if Florida was deep red, that would having those kind of those balances where, okay, California's blue. That, that's a given. Fine. Florida is purple right now, but if it turned red, like for, for the long haul, great. And Texas, Texas is another example of them really trying to make that state turn blue because Texas is red, but it's getting closer and closer to blue, especially with those big cities like Dallas and Houston and, and Austin. Oh yeah. It's like, it's as blue as you can possibly get. And that, that's that's why the the um, the corporate press was all about oh yeah Bear work oh look at this young hip new, you know this guy whatever and then some of the things that that, that was coming out of his mouth you're just like oh imagine uh, what's going in his mouth right I know I I know <laughs> I know I can't even I don't even want to go to that I, I can't even all right so on that note because I don't know how how you and I got to talking about politics as much this is outrageous it's unacceptable I'm scrapping the whole thing we're gonna have to start over but in the meantime we're running out of time so are you up for a bonus round I am up for a bonus round but I just want to ask one question beforehand okay you say that you're for national divorce sure I see people say that oh yeah it's it's gonna be peaceful. Others are saying, I don't see how it could be peaceful. Like, did you not see what happened the last time America had a civil war? So how do like, I'm guessing you're probably more of the, the obviously the, the peaceful national divorce. So do you think that's something that could actually happen? Because I'm trying to wonder, okay, if it was, if national divorce is going to happen, are we to believe that the federal government and the people in power, maybe not now, but even 20 years down the line, 50 years down the line, do you really think that they would want to lose that power? It's not a matter of them wanting to lose it or not, but I'll, I'll answer your question with a couple of points. The first one is, is that, okay, so they quote unquote have the power and they might be willing to use it to prevent this eventuality. So first, well, what power do they have? So, you know, like I like I write and work for the 10th Amendment Center, something that they talk about in all their articles and all the bills they cover all the time is, is that if a state, if states simply said, we are not going to allow X, we're not going to enforce it in our borders, you're not going to get any resources from us, we're going to cut the water to your federal buildings, um, you're not going to use our local police forces to do your dirty work, because I mean, like, there's like 100,000 federal officers in, in every bureau, in every department. They can't physically enforce anything. 
they really need the states to do it, and they buy them off with some money, some campaign contributions, this, that, and the other, some funds, some earmarks. That's how they get it. If states were willing to buckle down and say, well, look, you can't buy us off that easily. We're just simply not going to rec recognize X, Y, and Z. There, there is no rolling in the tanks. Who... Who's who's going to do it? You know, like if they say for like take take Second Amendment as an example, take take gun rights. If if the glorious leader, Donald Trump, if he says there's no such thing as bump stocks, those aren't going to be allowed. And we're literally going to roll in the feds and, and shoot up everybody that has bump stocks. They you we outnumber them a million to one. They don't physically have the power or ability to do it. The only way they could do it is to get your local authorities to do to attack you in their stead. If your local authorities said, actually, no, we're not going to be party to that, then that's it. It's over. That's there. There is there is no authority. It doesn't exist. And, and this is the second point I'll make. It's a really short one. Um, you don't have to be a, a great historian to just generally know that we, we have real-world examples of this taking place. Obviously, the biggest, quote-unquote, more recent one would be the dissolution of the Soviet Union. If you had said five years before the USSR collapsed, hey, guys, the USSR is going to dissolve in five years, you would have been laughed out of the room. No one would have believed you if you had said that five years before it happened. And what happened five years later? Poof, gone. And and what happens then? It's are are there things that have to be worked out? Of course, there's things that have to be worked out. But this this is not a novel idea. It's happened all around the world in different instances. States breaking into two, um, you know, cities becoming city states, uh, unions uh, breaking apart. I mean, even even something as as relatively basic as Brexit. I mean. You know, you have the European Union, and then in a relatively short number of years later, um, some loudmouth starts saying, well, we're going to do this thing called Brexit where we're going to vote to leave the Union. And even then, when that first hit the headlines, it was, oh, these are right-wing nut jobs. This will never happen. And look what happened. So the, so the moral of the story is, is that while I'm, I'm not a betting man, I can't sit here and tell you that this is exactly how it's going to go down. This is how... This is what states are going to become what. This is, this is X, Y, and Z countries. Um, the, the late, great Yuri Maltsev, um, he predicted all the way back in the early 90s that he thought the United States would actually break up into six different countries, and he thought it would happen in his lifetime. Unfortunately, he recently passed away, um, but we'll, we'll say in our lifetimes. I think that that's – for anyone that says that 100% can happen, there's no way it'll happen – you just give them the point of, if you had said in 1984 uh, the USSR is going to be gone within a decade, you would have been a clown. You would have been laughed off stage everywhere you said it, and you would have been right. All right. Well, thanks for explaining that. You're welcome. How <laughs> dare you take over the Q&A of my show? All right. Anyway, we're, mo we're moving on to the bonus now because now we're really, really out of time. We're moving on to the lightning round. Shane, number one. Who is your favorite living, living comedian? Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. Living. Living. I would say Mark Normand. Okay. You know what? We'll accept that. All right. Moving on. Number two. What is your favorite comedy movie? Oh, man. Well... I would be hard pressed not to say dirty work because we have mentioned Norm MacDonald, rest in peace. So mm -hmm. I'll say dirty work just, just for the hell of it. 
Unfortunately, the answer we were looking for was dumb and dumber. All right, number three. What is your favorite, or excuse me, the most overrated comedian? Most overrated. Overrated. I don't know if this counts as overrated because he gets a lot of shit anyway. And a lot of people hate him. Brendan Schaub. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. I'm, la I'm laughing because he does give it a lot of shit, but I, I think I he can't possibly be overrated, I think. I think if Brendan Schaub has ever made you laugh, then he's he's at least slightly underrated compared to all the shit he gets. Yeah, that was a bad answer. Um, the, the correct answer is George Carlin. Mm. George Carlin. My second choice would have been Burt Kreischer. Uh, I could buy that. So, so I'm sorry, I have to interject. The reason why I say George Carlin is the most overrated is a lot of people love to share his clips where, by the way, he's not telling jokes. He's just ranting about political stuff in his later years. I, I, I firmly, because first of all, he was a lefty. I firmly believe that if he were alive today, he would be parroting some, if not most, left-wing talking points right now. Yeah, he'd probably like another Jimmy Dore. Yeah, exactly. All right. And finally, and this, as, as everyone on this show knows, we always end with the most important question of all, which is a food question. Is peanut butter a liquid? No. That is correct. Peanut butter is not a liquid. Unfortunately, our friends at the TSA say you may not be nuts about it, but TSA considers your PB a liquid. In a carry-on, it needs to be 3.4 ounces or less. So they're making the argument, by the way, that a liquid has no def definite shape and takes the shape dictated by the container. Therefore, peanut butter is a liquid. That is so bum-fucking retarded, I can't believe it. It, it, it. You cannot drink peanut butter, and if you shoved ground beef into that same jar, it would take the shape of the jar. Is ground beef a liquid? Shame! The, the, no, that's what I, No, exact. no. Alright. No. Alright, thank you. Shane, where can people go to follow you and get more of your content? Uh, well, that tweet that you showed about the peanut butter, you know, where I said, nutty stuff over at the TSA. <laughs> Dad jokes, get it? Uh, if you want more of that juicy content over on Twitter, you can follow me at the Hoppatarian. That's at T-H-E-H-A-P-A-T-A-R-I-A-N. Spell check me on that. Uh, and then for our uh, show, the Hoppatarian show, YouTube, uh, Odyssey, BitChute, and rumble i uh, just created a rumble channel which i'm way late on that and you can also watch a video of our show on spotify Ooh! so you can do that and of course you can also listen to the podcast at itunes and spotify like i said uh what's what's another one uh, stitcher mm -hmm. yeah all, all the places that you can listen to the podcast it should be there shane this was a lot of fun, man. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, Norm MacDonald, I know we were talking about the two. I've been watching a lot of his clips lately again. And uh, the stuff they had to say about Madonna, hilarious.
and and still relevant to this very day. I know. Remember when you, when she was uh, she was going to be the lead actress for uh, I think it, I think it was Evita. They were filming that uh, film Evita, and um, I'm going to botch this. But uh, one of the jokes from Weekend Update that Norm Macdonald said was, you know, Madonna is starting filming her new film Evita, where she plays the lead character Evita. And uh, it's been said that it's going to be 100% historically accurate, except for the part where she has group sex with the Houston Rockets. <laughs> you know, a lot of people know uh, Norm is infamous for all of his exchanges about O.J. Simpson, which ultimately led him getting canned at Saturday Night Live. But I'm here to testify that the shit he said about Michael Jackson was way worse. Well, you, you, I mean, you do know that he's a homosexual pedophile, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Guys, we're going to be back to wrap up the show right after this commercial break. Don't go away. Mm-hmm. 